Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Viola, and yes, my girlfriend did see Top Gun, so now I have to grow the Miles Teller mustache. Joining me today is my good friend, Nick Henyon, and we are here because it is finally time. Football is back. Yes, the Hall of Fame game is this weekend, but more importantly, the English Premier League kicks off on August 6th, and so we are here today to talk a little bit about the futures market, a little bit about any some of the specific things that you might want to bet going into this season of the beautiful game, but also to give you more of a well-rounded look, a betting guide, if you will, to betting on the beautiful game, as I had just used earlier in that sentence. But Nick, it is a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me. It is fantastic to have you on. We, of course, we go way back all the way to the VSIN days. You've been a frequent guest on just about any soccer pod that I have ever done. You had an incredible, incredible Premier League season just a year ago. You finished up over 50 units, right? That's correct. 55 to be exact. <laughs> Bravo, my friend. Bravo. And <laughs> where you, can people you. find the work that uh, you do after this pod is long over and they want to follow your handicapping? For soccer, mostly, you can find me on the Action Network website. You can also find a little bit of soccer in the New York Post sports betting section, but predominantly for Action Network is where people can find me. And on Twitter, of course, at Nick Henian. All right. Well, let's get right into it here, Nick. Starting off, um, let's talk about what everyone wants to know at the beginning of the season, who is winning the title. And when it comes to the futures market, especially in the Premier League, it's not like the NFL where, yeah, the Bills are five to one favorites right now. But certainly there is no one who is saying that the Bills are an absolute mortal lock to win the, uh, the Lombardi trophy at the end of the season. In soccer, and especially in the Premier League, it's a little bit different. This is kind of a two-horse race here because you see at the top of the table, the odds over on DraftKings have Man City at minus 165 to win the trophy and to win the Premier League at the end of the year. It's, It's insane. And Liverpool is right behind them at plus 250. Tottenham in third place on DraftKings at 12 to 1. That's how steep the drop off is. It the top two do not change, especially recently in the premier league this is very much a league of haves and have nots and when it comes to betting especially on the futures market your value is not really going to be in taking one of these two no definitely not i i think the question people want to know is who's winning the title i think city do win the title that's why you're seeing such high odds but there are so many better ways to use your money than laying it on a dollar 65 future like there's just so many better markets people can take advantage of. I know we'll talk about that later in the show, but I mean, just from a future strategy standpoint, if you came to me and said, okay, I have to have a bet in this market. The only strategy I can think of is take Liverpool at plus 250, hope city fall turn the first half of the season, getting live on city and plus money too, and try to guarantee yourself at least a minimal profit. But a dollar sixty-five, too rich for my blood to to open this season. I mean, I can't. I can barely bet a future under five to one. I certainly can't. Can't bet one at minus prices. So if you want to start looking in the futures market and you want to say, hey. I want to have a bet going into the season because I get that. A lot of people want to have some fun on a season-long ride, something they can put a little bit down and hope that they're going to have a nice small payday waiting for them in the summer. And honestly, the other thing I'll say too is if you you want to bet City, if you think City win the title – 
just a little betting calculus here. Just take over their points total. I think it's set at 90 and a half. I think most champions have cleared that number in the last five or six years. That's minus 110. So if you want to bet City to win the title, just bet them over 90 and a half points instead because I think that's just, that saves you a little bit of juice and it still gets you invested in what I consider to be the best team heading into the 2022-23 campaign. And the other thing about it is... I think that's a good bet regardless. It's the same thing as betting an NFL win total here, but short of something utterly downright catastrophic, like a spate of ACL tears going around the locker room, this team is going to be right up there at 90 points. I think that number might even be a little low for them. They're not going to drop many games this season. I think you're completely right about that market, but if you wanted to try and find something with maybe a little more value you, you have more betting options here because you can bet the winner, but you can also bet team to finish in the top four. And there's not a tremendous amount of value there until you get down to Newcastle at nine to one. But it is another way that you can look if you want to. Yeah, exactly. But again, you're, you're going to see lofty prices on those as well. I mean, I think really the question is, we're expecting the same four teams to finish in the top four this year. Yeah. The, really, the only question is whether a team like Arsenal or Man U or one of those sneaky sort of mid-table sides, West Ham, Leicester, can break into that. I personally don't think so. I'm getting involved. All my futures are further down the board. I'm thinking mid-table, relegation, you know, top six maybe so i think if you want to get involved those are the places where betters can really you know have a good chance of cashing a good ticket and you talk about relegation that is one of the amazing things and really the best that be is my biggest disagreement with the entirety of european soccer is the fact that you have no playoffs it the top of the, the, the winning the league is very boring it's a conversation that we just had here and we can't there's nothing that we can really do in that market relegation on the other hand is where things get exciting i'm an everton fan and life was absolute misery for me last season until the game the second to last game of the season when we officially secured our place in the premier league for the next season that was far more nerve-wracking and we're right there in the thick of it for relegation again we are three to one to get relegated but there is some value here Burnmouth, the only team in the minus range to finish in the bottom three in the table. Where are you looking at for potentially a value play here on relegation? So I have two. One is, and I should say like one, I'm not really going to bet it. I need a better number, but I'm really worried about leads this year. I mean, mm-hmm. Rafinha's gone. Calvin Phillips is gone. I mean, if you look, it's a small sample. I'll give you that. But if you look at their matches last season without Calvin Phillips, yikes. It did not look good. I mean, this was a team that was regularly giving up two expected goals in this game, and they have done nothing to solidify their defense. Is Tyler Adams a good player? Yes, but he is a significant downgrade from Calvin Phillips, in my opinion. The other thing is, Rafinha is gone. That leaves you with maybe three guys, I would say Patrick Bamford, uh, Jack Harrison, and Rodrigo, who are capable of scoring 10 goals in a season. There is not much else with this Leeds attack, that, and it leaves a lot to be desired. I know Brendan Aronson is coming too. I really want to be able to root for this team because you know there's a lot of U.S. blood in there, Jesse Marsh at the helm. So I'm not going to bet it, but 
I, I do worry about Leeds potentially not having the offense to keep up with a defense that I consider to be among the worst in the in the Premier League. The other team that I'm that I do think has a little bit of betting value. I got Wolves at six to one in pocket to be relegated last night, and I just think this team has gotten figured out and it is really going to struggle this season. And, you know, the hallmark of Wolves is, you know, they're this great defensive team, and, yeah, they don't score a lot of goals, but they were so good defensively. I think they were so lucky last year. I think they underperformed their uh, their expected goals against metrics by, like, 25 goals or something. They were expected to be really bad. And I just don't think their offense is gelling right now. The one thing I will say is they have a very easy schedule to open up the uh, the season. So if you want to wait a little bit, you might be able to get a bit of a better number than six to one. But here's the other little nugget I found looking back at last season. Wolves did a lot of damage in the first half, and that's kind of how they were able to, you know, ultimately finish in the top half last season. In the second half, if you just look at the second time they played every opponent, those 19 games, they won once on expected goals. That is not ideal. And, you know, if teams are starting to, like, play them once and figure them out, if they can't get off to that same quick start, they're going to be a lot of trouble. So I think Wolves at 6-1 to is probably my favorite bet for relegation this year. Now, you brought up a really interesting point in there about expected goals. And that's something because I, a lot of our audience might not know exactly what expected goals are and how that stat can be so integral in soccer handicapping. So let's talk about that for a little bit right here. First off, the definition of expected goals, Nick. Yes, it's the based on it, it's based on a number of factors. I think it's it, I think it's over a hundred. You know where the shot is taken from. Is there a defender in your way? Like you know, relation to the goal. It's the the number of times you're expected to score from that from any given shot. There's another thing that's a little more complicated called post shot expected goals, which is. It takes out – it's similar to Corsi in hockey where it takes out, you know, block shots, at miss shots. It's basically shots on goal that you're expected to score. That is mostly helpful to see which goalkeepers are overperforming or which goalkeepers are really good in terms of denying expected goals after the shot. So, you know, it's – and you can use that data to kind of see, like, okay, is a team underperforming? Are they overperforming their expected goal targets? It works for totals, too. I mean, sometimes a match will have one expected goal, but they'll soar for four or five. And you can kind of use that data to go into your advantage. But, yeah, it's um, that's what expected. That's how we define expected goals. And how is it that you like to use that stat in your handicapping? Because it is a really big part. I know every time we sit down to talk about it, one of the big things we always talk about is looking at the XGs for these teams as an indicator of how well they're going to perform over the season. Yeah, I like to I like to quote our friend Paul Carr on this, which is you like to bet against human achievement in soccer sometimes. And, you know, teams are naturally 
going to perform at a certain rate. And sometimes teams are just going to underperform over the course of the season. A perfect example of that was Brentford last season. I mean, they had about a negative four expected goal, a negative four goal difference, excuse me, over the course of the season. But their expected was about a negative, you know, 2.1 or something. If you look at their home and away metrics, that that can, you know, have a further indicator. So you really want to use it to kind of see like, okay, not every you're not going to score on every screamer from 20 yards outside the box. So if that's how teams are generating their goals, um, you want to be able to take advantage of that and maybe take some unders in the future. You, you'll see the market overreacts to teams scoring goals a lot and see some movement there. So you do want to, that's mostly what I use it for is teams that are overperforming and then take some unders on their totals or team totals even. Um, but the other thing you can use, and it's a little more simplified than expected goals, is uh, is big scoring chances. There, there are a few sites that track those, and those you can really use. Like, okay, teams had you know four big scoring chances, and they scored twice or something. So you really want to look at that and see you know which teams are due for positive offensive re- and defensive regression, and also negative offensive and defensive regression. And that's that's a big reason why I had so much success last year was able to pinpoint those opportunities and effectively deciding like okay is this a side i want to back based on the regression metrics or is it a total guys real quick remember when you're looking for free picks and sports betting advice bettingpros.com has you covered with tips from over 150 experts to make it easy for you to cash out Download the app to get sports betting alerts. You'll get notified of favorable bets based on line movements, consensus picks from the most accurate experts, and vetted systems in play. Betting Pros monitors all of the major sports books' most accurate experts and top systems to identify the best betting opportunities. So download today in the Apple or Google Play stores. So now, with all of that in mind, who are some teams that you're looking at this season and saying, I think that they're going to regress to the mean in either a positive or negative direction? Yeah, I'll start with the positive first. Uh, Crystal Palace is... I'm going to have to wait on them from a side perspective because I don't know what they're going to look like without Connor Gallagher. But they're a really good home team. And their their XG metrics back that up. And I think they were 13th or 14th in the table last year. I personally have them rated as a top half side entering this season because I think they have, you know, there's not much star power on that team. You know, Wilfried Zaha is still a good talent out at left wing. But, you know, they have a lot of just, like, really good players. They're not going to blow you away with their overall skill level, but... You know, I think that Palace is a team that could be in for some, you know, some positive regression. Another team I'm looking at is Aston Villa. If you you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt because they did sack their manager midseason last year. But if you look at the underlying metrics under Dean Smith versus Steven Gerrard, they're markedly better under Gerard, I think they basically performed up to par with Gerard as their manager. I think in the matches he was in charge, it was a plus zero goal differential on about a plus, you know, a half plus one expected goal differential. So there's a little room for positive regression with them. But I th- I've been really impressed with their summer signings, and I think they could be a really good team this year. On the other side, the two teams I'm looking at, I mean, I mentioned Wolves already. They're, they're definitely a negative regression candidate coming into this season. But beyond that, 
I think West Ham and Leicester are two teams that overperformed a little bit. And the thing you have to look at with teams, and, you know, it does impact Palace too a little bit. So I'm probably not as high on them as I am on Villa. But West Ham played really well at home last season, but they're terrible on the road. And you really want to find those teams that can have at least a little bit of efficiency in both arenas. And I just think West Ham's road metrics are going to catch up with them eventually. And I just don't know you know, what they look like. Their defense is a little questionable and, you know, they do have a lot of good attacking pieces, but, you know, I'm just not sure if they can replicate the metrics from last season. And then Leicester, I mean, their defense is bad. That's the easiest way I can say it. And they, they got, they were one of the teams alongside of Wolves that were very lucky last season to not concede um, as many times as they were expected to do so. So I think that West Ham and Leicester, I, I think you could see some dips in the table for them by the end of, uh, by the end of this season. I, I agree. My, my biggest concern, especially with Leicester is uh, I, a lot of people love Jamie Vardy with great reason. He's a hilarious, hysterical character. Who's also a fantastic goal scorer, but he's also getting old. And the cliff, the that cliff is real steep when it comes to the game of soccer. It's very rare that you see that that much success. Not everyone is Chris Wondolowski. And <laughs> as you get older, that penchant for scoring starts to go down. The penchant for injury starts to go up. That's what really worries me about this Leicester team. That's why I know you and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, the top Midlands club, Leicester yeah. and Aston Villa are both right there at plus 125 apiece. And I'm with you. I'm inclined to take a little bit of Aston Villa there and hope that you get you you see some regression with Leicester and Villa end up being quite as good as we hope that they're going to be this season. And you can cash in instead of going with them tough to finish top 10 at minus 110. You can get a little extra plus money on that. Yeah, I, I, I actually think there's a case to be made for Aston Villa to be in a European spot this year. I think that, I agree. you know, I, it, that's a lot of pressure to put on a Steven Gerrard led team, especially he's only been there. What half a season now, but you know, they have sh- such strength through the middle now that I think they're going to be well set up to defend teams that including really good teams that like to play through the middle. So I think that, you know, there's a case to be made that all of, you know, United, Leicester, West Ham, I mean, Brighton too, they sold Eves Basuma this year. We don't know what they're going to look like in the midfield without him. But I think you could even see Aston Villa in the Europa League next year if all goes right for them. And you have to hope that all does go right and then we cash a couple bets there. But I think it's very much within that realm of possibility. Want to track all of your wagers in one place? Check out the Betting Pros Pick Tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks hit, which miss, and gives you a live look at what the public is doing so you can use real-time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we offer at bettingpros.com slash pick tracking. Now, another thing that I want to get to with you here before we move on and break down what an individual game looks like, because we know that that can be a little different for people who are used to American sports betting. But first, 
home versus away teams. You talked about teams having great home form and terrible away form and how much that that can really affect your long-term season chances. But how big of a deal is home field advantage in the Premier League? Because a lot of people here don't quite understand. It's not quite like the NFL. Those environments are much, much more similar to a college football atmosphere over here. And it can play a serious factor, even though the travel is a minuscule amount compared to America. There is an argument to be made that home field advantage in English Premier League is the most important among all sports betting. It's like based on the data I've looked at, it might be more important than the NFL just last season. And again, I'm going off expected metrics here. There are teams that finish with negative goal differences at home. Just last season, 12 teams had a positive expected goal differential on their home turf. Only four had a positive expected goal differential on the road. Those four teams were City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham. I see a connection here. Yeah. So you, it's, and again, some people might be like, Nick, that's a really small sample. And you're right. But if you look at the last four years, take all 80 teams of those four years, 44 have had a positive expected goal differential at home in the, in that span. Only 25 have had a positive expected or 20, excuse me, have had a positive expected goal differential on the road. That is a, that is almost a 30% net change. So I think that it is so important to the point where I'm honestly considering only betting on home teams this year. Like I don't foresee, I need to go back and look through some of my bets to see what, you know, what the breakdown is in terms of my home versus road bets. But I just think it's so important that these teams defend home field, especially the teams that are fighting at the bottom. And, you know, Tom, a big reason Everton survived last year was because they played so well at home down the stretch. And they actually finished with a positive expected goal differential at home. So it is so important that, and again, for a lot of new soccer bettors, if you're looking at odds and being like, well, why is, you know, why is Brighton a home favorite against, let's say, Manchester United, for example? That's why. It's because it's so important that these teams get points at their on their, you know, home turf. So it is so important and really something that people need to take into account when you're making your bets. Now, Nick, you talk about that home field advantage being so important and That's actually something that I didn't take into my handicapping when I first started betting soccer because I I, I took a look at, you know, the country. And I said, Mm -hmm. your farthest travel time is an hour and a half. That's cake compared to a six-hour, three-time zone trip from the East Coast to the West Coast or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "How, how, how big could it really be? It is that atmosphere. It is that fan support that actually does make a huge difference in this league. But... You talk about being able to get points at home, and that doesn't always mean a win. The way soccer betting works and the thing that trips up a lot of people that come from traditional American sports where, as the great Ted Lasso said, if you tried to end an American sporting event in a tie, it would be listed in Revelations as a sign of the apocalypse. Well, (laughs) in England, we get plenty of draws, and in soccer, that means that the betting is a little bit different. You can bet on a quote unquote spread that operates much more like a run line in baseball or 
a puck line in hockey than it does a an NFL or NBA spread. It's always traditionally you can you it runs the gamut of half a goal, a goal, goal and a half, etc. But if you want to bet a team strictly on the money line, it's not a two-way bet. It's a three-way bet because the draw is listed as an option. This can trip a lot of people up. You bet on a team, they end up tying, and you say, okay, well, I get my money back on a push. Right. No, it is three-way betting. That is a loss for you because you have the option to bet the draw. And what that also does is it can change up these odds quite a little bit. And let's, for example, we're not going to break through the entire Premier League slate because we'll be here for another hour. People want to see that. They can head on over and find your work over at Action. But just pulling up one of these games here next Saturday, Everton is taken on Chelsea. Chelsea is a minus 145 favorite here. Everton is 4-1, to one, and the draw is plus 285. Now, if you're approaching this game and you want to bet it, you can, in fact, bet on the tie. And, and you see here Chelsea, the, a 400 to minus 145 uh, straddle makes no sense on a two-way line. But when you get to this three-way line, all of a sudden it starts to make a lot more sense. How often is it that you can expect to turn a profit if you bet on a draw? Is that something that people should be looking to or traditionally staying away from? I don't think I bet on a single draw money line last year, if I'm being honest. like I, I it's, It is so difficult. If you're only betting that, just save your money. Don't bet soccer. Like It's... <laughs> It is an impossible outcome to predict. I will say it's a very fun sweat because you get to change your rooting allegiances as the game goes on. So it is, you know, it's fun from time to time, but it's also very unpredictable. And oftentimes the draws are between teams you would have never expected them to come from. I mean, it's not like you're seeing draws between, let's say, you know, Everton plays Palace, like two teams that on paper should be pretty equal. No, usually you're getting draws because a team wildly underperforms its expected goal differential and can't convert scoring chances. I mean, you look... Last year, you had a draw. The first one that comes to mind is, you know, Leeds and City, I think, drew last year at one point. Um, you know, Tottenham and Liverpool at some point. Again, that they're sort of on equal footing. But that match was because Liverpool couldn't convert their chances. I think Liverpool won the expected goal battle by almost one and a half goals. So it's a very fickle market to try to predict. The, the easiest way I can explain it is it, it's kind of like betting the draw in Baccarat. It's not really a people like, oh, wow, like I can get three to one, almost three to one on Everton and Chelsea drawing in a match. Like on paper, that looks appealing, but it's it's really tough to m- be a sustained, profitable better if you're only betting the draw money line. Now, when you do approach an individual game, how are you breaking it down and what makes what, what what is it that you look at at a number that makes you say, I want to take this number? Like how much juice is too much juice to be laying with some of these teams? What should people be looking at? I try to, and this is very unique, I think, in soccer betting, is I try to get as many different outcomes as possible with a bet. So I usually look for games between mid-table teams with – what we call draw no bet goal lines, which is actually if the match does end in a draw, you'll get your money back. And that is sort of a good way indicator. But I really look for teams that are, you know, 
positive we talked about it earlier positive and negative regression but you know i want as many outcomes as possible with any given bet so if you're giving me plus a half perfect example like city and liverpool last year at the etihad you're giving me two outcomes with liverpool whereas you're only getting one with city based on the closing line of that game and, and, I just thought, and, you know. and when you're talking about a plus a half goal what that is is you're betting on a spread line where you have Liverpool plus literally a half a point. So if the game is in, and it ends in a draw, instead of you losing your bet, you win because you have Liverpool to win. Plus, if it's a draw, you win that. Yes, exactly. And I think that, you know, you're, you're looking for teams that are sort of undervalued that are, you know, you, you're getting multiple outcomes with. Like a perfect example of that too is last year, I know I bet Leeds at home against Wolves and they were, I think, minus 125 on the draw no bet line. So if they won the match, it cashes. But if it's a push, it's no harm, no foul. I get my money back. So I'm looking for teams, but, you know, from a handicapping perspective, you also want to look at like situational analysis. And one of the big things I look at is how teams perform against pressure versus how they play against teams that, you know, just like to sit back and let them have the ball and, you know, let teams come to them and try to beat them on the counter. The other thing you want to look at is set pieces, how teams perform in dead ball situations. Some teams are awful when it comes to defending corners, free kicks, Everton. Leicester last year was awful. Funnily enough, last year, the team that was the best at uh, corners, free kicks, set pieces, everything was Brentford. And when it's very odd that when they played Leicester, who was terrible at that, they lost both matches. So maybe it's, there's a little bit of a flaw there. But, you know, you do want to look for situational handicapping angles and see how teams, you know, perform against like opposition as well. Like certain teams, Watford last season is a perfect example, can't couldn't defend against the big six. They just couldn't. So I was taking a team total every single time. Like even if it was two and a half juice to minus 125, I was betting it because you just look at their their consistent results against, you know, the big six. It wasn't good. So that's those are some of the things I tend to look for when I'm, you know, sitting down to bet a match, which we're going to be doing in a week. Yes, we are. It is almost here. I'm so excited. Sports are finally back. The summer doldrums are over, although I have had a fantastic time betting MLS, which I still do genuinely believe is pound for pound the most entertaining soccer league that you can watch. But I know that people love the top skill of the top flight in the Premier League, and it's going to be so exciting to have that back. It's going to be another fun season. One more time, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you and the great work you're doing? You can find me on Twitter at Nick Hennion, H-E-N-N-I-O-N. That is the easiest place to get all my work. Or you can head to the Action Network website or the New York Post sports betting section. Those are where you can find all my beautiful soccer betting analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for checking us out today. Don't forget, like, subscribe, and share. You know the drill. Hit us with that five-star review on the podcast. And be sure to leave us a rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Hit that subscribe button and follow at betting pros on Twitter. You can follow me at TV at work. And don't forget, head on over to bettingpros.com slash chat. Join the discord. Soccer season is upon us. We have a fantastic soccer community full of 
hardcore handicappers who are very excited to greet you, to walk you through betting on this league. And we all are trying to win money together. It's a fantastic community. Come be a part of it. We've got we've got Discord channels for everything you could possibly imagine from football, basketball, baseball, all the way over to soccer, fighting sports, racing, you name it, we've got it. Head on over to bettingpros.com slash chat. And in the meantime, guys, best of luck on the football season. Best of luck on the football season. And we will see you next episode. <laughs>